Welcome to a special Nocturnal Journal Christmas edition tonight. Uh, we've got a great, great show. We got uh, the next hour. Maxwell Street musician Lefty Vince Johnson is going to play some Christmas tunes. Former Chicago comedian Michael Strosky is going to be calling in. We've got Nick Alex in the green room, owner of the Golden Apple. We're going to talk great Christmas memories of the Golden Apple Diner. And our first guest is the esteemed Mike Veck. Of the uh, St. Paul Saints, Charleston River Dogs, Chicago White Sox. Mike, you there? The esteemed? <laughs> yeah. The esteemed? Merry Christmas, Mr. You- Hoax. I'm thrilled to be here, kind of. The Nocturnal Journal, though, I mean, it's a little earlier start for you, so... It is. I'm a little shocked. <laughs> it is. You always told me uh, if you needed a guest in a in a pinch hit, you'd be on board. So thanks thanks for joining us for a little bit here. Um, well, this- I wasn't doing you a favor. I mean, let's face it. I mean, your listeners will understand that very quickly. They'll be like, "Hey, let's get rid of this problem." But I had a great Christmas. How was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? I was prepping the show all day, Mike. I was with my notes and getting picking all the music. You know, I love that. that that's a uh, Beach Boys song, you know, that uh, Bill Murray and Phoenix did for that Paul Schaefer uh, special, I think, a couple years ago, Alone on Christmas Day. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I, I, I can't really discuss. I can't really discuss ah. Mr. Murray right now. He, uh, he he showed up at the Hacienda last night with, I think, something approaching 267 gifts, <laughs> none of which were wrapped. <laughs> You know, that's tough. That's a tough assignment. I mean, I got some of the best elves in the country, but even they were humping it last night. I mean, and what's everybody sending? Here comes Santa Claus all around the Internet. It's like they didn't know Bob Dylan had this wonderful sense of humor all this time. Suddenly it's like everywhere. (laughs) Well, you mentioned Murray. Um, I kind of keep up to date with you, but I don't know much about the uh, restaurant Harold's Cabin. You guys opened that over the summer down there in Charleston with Bill. and Talk a little bit about that. I I know it's in an old um, snow cone shop from the 1920s in Charleston, so pick, pick the story up there. Yeah, there was a there's a huge history of um, uh, Harold and and Lillian were really settlers um, in in the neighborhood um, around the the uh, citadel, and so in in uh, the 20s, as you mentioned, it was a snow cone shop, and it became over the years so popular with people. It was the one place where you could go in Charleston where you could find a really fine cheese or a good cut of meat. And ultimately, they were absorbed, uh, purchased by um, uh, Piggly Wiggly, and they had, uh, you know, a little section of the store for delicacies and things like that. But the building sat there, and uh, Bill and I kept riding by it, looking at it and going, boy, nobody would be dumb enough to buy that building the way it's fallen in on itself. And uh, John Schumacher, then our, our historian partner in it, looked up the history, and so... It's now become a, a community uh, gathering place. We do everything from, you know, from poetry readings and, and, and dance recitals and obviously musicians like you're going to have uh, 
um, a little later. And most importantly, or what I was pleased about, was over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, we changed the name uh, to Mel's Cabin because one of our neighbors had been denied membership in a club here in Charleston. And and we thought that it was not a good idea. So we changed the name in the middle of the night and um, um, hung up a, a sign that said, Mel's Cabin, where all are welcome. And we've had some fun with it. And that's kind of the community vibe that goes on in the cabin. Plus, the food's great. You know, we made the uh, 100 most anticipated openings. We've been open about three years now. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's like a clubhouse. What can I tell you? So is it really called Mel's Cabin now, not Harold's Cabin? No, we just renamed just it renamed for three it. or four days because Melvin Brown was denied membership in the Rod oh, and Gun Club here in Charleston. And since he lives right across the street from us, or Caddy Corner, I guess more, um, he woke up in the morning, his wife got him a cup of coffee and said, because he's a um, uh, an ICU doctor, 20-year Navy guy, but more importantly, he puts people back together in uh, emergency rooms. So she hands him this cup of coffee and goes, you better go out to the front stoop and take a look what what Beck and those idiots did because they just renamed the cabin in your honor. Oh, that's great. That's great. John Schumacher, he's from the River Dogs, right? Didn't he work with you, or is he still working with you at the River Dogs? Yeah, he was the he was really um, the guy who really brought um, um, food at the ballpark uh, into the 21st century. He, hey, like I mentioned earlier, Dave, you know, he's a historian, and so he, he would research different areas where we operated and find delicacies and things that were indigenous um, to that particular market and then serve them. And, you know, that was particularly difficult uh, in Charleston because it's such a food mecca. Right. And so, you know, 15 years ago when John joined us, we I'd like to think we had good food, but we weren't serving she-crab soup, and we weren't uh, um, serving the home wrecker, which is, I, I think, something approaching a four-and-a-half to six-pound hot dog that we serve. It takes a crane um to order it, but he he really revolutionized minor league um, baseball stadiums and food. Quite a talent. What's what's uh, coming up? Um, is it too early to talk about the two hundred one nine season with what, some of your teams? Uh, what's new in St. Paul? Are you still involved in normal over here um, in Illinois? Well, the um, um, the normal has um, ha- has been sold, and uh, of course we're still uh, here in Charleston. But this is kind of the planning. This is the planning stage. Um, so nothing's really been locked in stone. And the the beauty of it is, is that after we celebrated the 40th anniversary of Animal House last year and had the world's largest food fight, the bar is very high. <laughs> the bar is very high. We did that in St. Paul. We had 8,000 people throwing, I, I don't know, fifteen or 20,000 pounds of food around Um in the third inning for a minute and a half. Gave everybody ponchos, recreated the great scene with uh, with John Belushi and, and really got not only a lot of great coverage, but uh, I had people coming up all night after they threw a lot of stuff at me, I might add, coming up and going, this was our favorite promotion you've ever done. So, Really? I still like... The bar's pretty high right now. Um, you know, you've been on the show a couple times. I don't know if we've really dissected the whole fun is fun is good thing. Can you talk about how fun is good really began? And I know you spend the off season doing uh, conferences and symposiums, but tell the listeners like a one on one on what fun is fun is good is about. 
Well, you know, I feel guilty almost now. I mean, just look around. Just just drive to work. Um, people who are, you know, who had the misfortune and have to work on, on Christmas, for example, watch people drive. Um, and there's a mood uh, across the country. There's a, it, we're, we're very... We're very divided, and and the fact is is that you have to approach the workplace, I believe, with some joy. And you're going to spend forty percent of your life there, and it, it might as well be fun. And I got so tired of people going, "Well, you could do that in ballparks because it's a whole different deal. People are coming there in their leisure time, but you can do it almost anywhere." Um, and and it's simply by applying a few really simple um, uh, procedures, if you will, in the morning is providing people places to gather, providing people um, with time, including people. You know, inclusion is such a buzzword now, but not in the way that we usually mean it. If you want to have a great marketing department, if you want to have a great sales department, then what you have to do is include everybody because all inclusions means they're taking a lot of people's ideas and distilling them down and, and using the best. Not dumbing them down, but being very democratic um, or as democratic as you can be given the numbers. And, and it encourages conversation. You know, you look at people, you walk into a lot of job sites now, and people are siloed. Yeah, right. I mean, never have we had the ability to communicate as a species. So the human animal has elevated the ability through technology to communicate around the world in a nanosecond, except we're all much more isolated. Sure. And I believe that it's the humor is the quickest point, as has been said, you know, between two people. And so we simply go in, we, we have a comedian, we have two or three people who take care of um, um, things like interpersonal relationships dealing between generations, and we make it all fun. Is there a website? Uh, there must be. I think there is, uh, so people can find out more about having fun. Yeah, there's the Fun is Good team, um, and and basically you can dial up and see um, some of our partners in, in crime who have really elevated um, the idea of not networking, but, but personalization of, of office mores. So we have um, an ex-anchor, um, uh, Joan Steffen, who worked for years on the Home and Garden TV thing. Her, her big show was she would go in and show you how to decorate your home and, uh, you know, for under $500. But she talks about heartfelt conversations and how important um, they are. And Cy Amundsen, a guy I think you know yeah. from ESPN, he does ESPN Snapchat um, three days a week. He talks about how approaching um, his job at ESPN with, with humor. He did um, the 40th anniversary, um, or maybe I'm wrong, maybe the 25th anniversary of Cool Runnings, the 25th anniversary of the Jamaican bobsled oh, yeah. team, and interviewed Dougie Doug and had him at the, at the ballpark. And that opened up the vistas at ESPN for him, got him you know, obviously more important in some people's eyes interviews, but all because it was applied with a sense of 
wide-eyed wonder and joy, and and, and that's important. Okay, we got to take a break. Uh, I want to get two more things out before we let you get back to your uh, Christmas turkey, and I want to talk about Christmas memories with your family. I got to talk to you about Harold Baines going to the Hall of Fame. All so, right. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so don't go away on Nocturnal Journal with Mike Vec. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on our Christmas extravaganza. On the phone from Charleston, South Carolina, is Mike Vec. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, thank you, David. I love the Darlene version, love version of that of that record. And you know, take them or leave them. Spectre had something going on for a while. He did. I love that. That's a great album. Um, talk real briefly. I mean. I know some of the people in your family, but what what are your Christmas memories of uh, just Chicago, Baltimore? I mean, just, you know, we're on for Christmas. So well, we lived in uh, a little known fact. When we lived in Chicago, we would go out to Downers Grove um, to my uh, Aunt Peg and Uncle John's house. And they lived out in the middle of uh, a four fields and a mink farm. And we would <laughs> I think, I, I think I've been there. Christmas Eve, and I remember that that Dad and Uncle John would go somewhere surreptitiously and come back with the most beautiful tree and the biggest tree that we'd ever seen. And I never saw a sold tag on one of them. And they were always freshly chopped. So I think that there was something going on. And, of course, the wonderment of uh, of the, the books you were looking for or a, a collection of tin soldiers. But it was a time that no matter who was having an argument or what disagreement was going on christmas just for 36 marvelous hours made everything wonderful and indeed it's it's that way now we always got to make a, to make a wish and of course i right now i'm wishing my, my that my son nitrain returns to the white Sox as a as a marketing guy and uh and and i wish that my daughter um Zysite gets a little better uh-huh. so you know, it's a joyous time, and it reminds us of what wonderful creatures we are, and and we should spend more time thinking about that, and more importantly, talking about it with the people with whom we're close. Yeah, you're right. I wish it could extend a little bit. You know, it seems like there. You know, I wish it could go on for five, six, seven months. It seems like things. You know, that would be that'd be great. How's your mom doing? Yeah, you get to say you get to say Merry Christmas. You get to say Happy Hanukkah. You get to say whatever your greeting is. And 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 look people in the eye, and there's there's just kind of a there's a there's a joyousness in the community of man, if that doesn't sound too too sixty like, and and we definitely need to rediscover some of those connections. Your mom doing okay? I'll tell you something. What a marvelous creature <laughs> to be almost ninety eight years old and to think and be as sharp as she is. It's it's. It's really something. You're very lucky. And why Nella Smith are like the wonders. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so we only, I know we, we, we can't let you go without talking. Uh, I want to do a little schooling for the listeners about your dad scouting 
Harold Baines. I mean, you guys were neighbors out there in Maryland. I mean, t- tell the story yourself. But uh, your dad found him, and he stuck with him for like five or six years, right? Yeah, he was. There was a there was a there was a wonderful house painter guy by the name of Bob Bowen, and uh, and and Bob managed and at the little league and the pony league and the high school. Uh, pretty much always as a volunteer, and he called Dad. And he said, "Better wander out here and take a look at this Baines kid." And so my dad went down to St. Michael's and watched him play a couple of little league games. And he come home and he just couldn't get over his wrist the way his wrist rolled through, and he made contact. And uh, uh, he followed him from then on. And of course, in '77, he made it um, the White Sox first pick. And uh, we go to see him in Baltimore. And Dad says to me, well, you know, why don't you go back home and, and visit and, and watch him his first day in the, um, you know, in the cage? And uh, that was the year we had little Oscar. You may remember yeah. Richie Zist, the Southside hitman. But what people might not know is that is that Harold Baines had a bigger afro than Oscar did. <laughs> and Harold got in the cage and never hit the ball out of the cage. And, of course, we didn't have cell phones, so... The old man says, call me at 8 o'clock. I call him at 8 o'clock. He goes, how was it? I said, you don't want to know. He said, how was it? I said, he didn't hit it out of the cage. I said, his afro, he got banging it on the top of the cage. The next day, he steps in. He got no afro anymore. He powdered the ball. And he is the working man's hero. I know everybody's debating. Yeah, right. I was going Yeah. Look at the durability. 9,900 at bats. Good Lord above. Yeah. He was yeah. the working man. He was like the Jim Landis who happened to last a lot longer. More durable. You know, I had that in my notes. Um, like I told you, I spent all Christmas working on this show. But in that same draft, uh, the son of Jim, Jim Landis was drafted 10th by the San Francisco Giants. In that very same and you draft. you and I never had this. What, what, you know why Landis isn't talked about all the time as one of the, as one of the great center field? Even in Chicago history. Because Landis positioned himself. He always got to the ball, and he made it look easy. And Baines was a lot the same. He, wasn't, he didn't make spectacular catches because he was so spectacular at doing his homework and positioning himself. So, you know, he made it look easy because he did his homework. He went to work every day like all of us who go to work. You know, he just went to work. He was, was not a journeyman. I mean, he hit 400 home runs. Okay, he only hit 380 something. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> are you going to go to? Are you going to go the? Are you going to go to the induction? Of course, yeah. I wouldn't miss that. Yeah. Come on, you know what do you think he's going to go in with a Cleveland hat on or something? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I went to your dad's and um, I, I I was reading some stuff. I mean, you you talk to your dad when you go to Cooperstown. You don't talk to him at Lake Michigan where he may be, but you talk to him at Cooperstown. Yeah, I, I you know I I don't know what people's particular religious persuasions are, but there's something about. The hall, and it has nothing to do with the 300 plus members or the Jeff Idelson or dear, the, the president and I are dear friends. What it has to do is the respect for the game. And I, I just like to sit across from his plaque, which happens to be, you know, right down from Larry Doby's. And I just like to, to muse on what those guys went through, how they did it with such style and dignity and, and most of all, courage, intellectual courage and physical courage. And, you know, I just feel closer to them there than anywhere else. 
doesn't make the lake a bad place. But I don't know where he is with the tide. You know, with, with, with uh, that water movement now and those winds. I don't. I don't know that we can count on that he's on the Chicago side of the lake. <laughs> they've remodeled. I went to Miller's Pub for lunch this uh, last week, and they've you know they remodeled a little bit. I think the vet corner is still there, but they took down a lot of celebrity pictures, and uh, so you got to check that out next time you're in Chicago. Yeah, well, I keep close. You know, my son Night Train's down here for Christmas, so I keep close watch on it, and uh, so I make it back up there. My sisters are all up there, and so. But it'll never be the same Miller's Pub, no matter what. Yeah. That original one, boy, oh boy. You could always find every thief in Chicago because they were all there just about closing time. That included the Vex for anyone who's taken offense. Well, thanks, Mike, for taking your time out uh, on Christmas to join us and give us a little update on everything. It's always great to talk to you. I want you to come in the studio sometime and just sit here with me and talk. Yeah, you know, it's so uptown for you to have Nocturnal Journal on WG, and I'm just still getting used to that. I don't think they listen. That's what I I really am. (laughs) Merry Christmas, man. All right, same to you. Thanks a lot. We're going to take a break now, and uh, we'll be back with our tribute to the Golden Apple Diner.